This podcast was lovingly produced by the Podcast Refinery. Hey, come on in. Let's close this day. There. It's closed. Have you got your earbuds in? Are the lights out? This is where you wanted to be all day. Your head in your own bed. together inside the my head in the bed podcast i'm steve and i'm going to talk to you while you drift off now this is not a meditation podcast i'm just going to talk to you you would like some sleep I might tell a story. I just want you to drift off. Let's begin. statement to say I, I learned about another culture. I learned how to speak a second language. It really rounded me out as a person.
So before you get too comfy cozy there under your blankets, let's get a little bit of bookkeeping out of the way. I usually state my email address right now because some people they want to contact the podcast. Sure. My head in the bed at gmail.com. Are your seat backs up and in their locked position? I want to welcome you not only to this flight, but uh, to this podcast. Maybe this is the first time you've, you've dialed up the My Head in the Bed podcast. Thank you very much. We don't do politics. We don't, we don't do religion. We don't do any of that stuff. No four-letter words. We just try to doze off. The hope is that the droning of my voice, talking about nothing in particular, will ease you into sleep. Well, we're over the Atlantic now. We're coming in over Ireland. And uh, the sun's coming up. went to live in Paris. Uh, this was back in the 90s. Went to live there for my wife. She is French and I wanted to give that to her. I wanted her to live in her own country. That's where she belonged and it uh, I wanted to make her happy. I did not speak French when I arrived in Paris. Of course, now I do, after 11 years. And being the new guy in town, my wife, of course, wanted me to meet all of her friends. So the first three, maybe four, five months, I was sort of taken on tour around the Paris metropolitan area. Everyone of my wife's friends wanted to meet the American husband. So I met a lot of wonderful people. I couldn't speak to them. Learning their language would come later. So many dinners, many invitations to people's homes, restaurants. I didn't understand a word anyone was saying to me, but everyone was smiling at me, happy to see me, happy to meet me, happy to try out their very, very fragmented English. It was fun, actually. We met this one couple, family, and that's pretty much what this first story is about. These people I want to talk about. I want to change their names. So it was Marie, and uh, let's say his name was Jean-Luc. And they had a boulangerie. Now, a boulangerie. The closest word we have for that in English would be bakery, but they're not exactly the same thing. French people buy their baguettes, their bread, from a boulangerie every day. In fact, you become 
friends with your boulanger, your baker. And if you stay in that same part of town, you go to the same boulangerie all your life. Boulangeries, or bakeries in France, are handed down generation after generation. And the stereotypical setup would be the husband downstairs arriving at 4 a.m. every morning working the ovens and his wife behind the cash register. And you do that all your life and then you hand it off to your children and you retire. Very French. My wife wanted to schlep me over to meet these old friends of hers. We entered and lots of hugs, affection. Oh, your American husband. And we spent the evening in the bakery and they, all three of them went down memory lane talking about old times. I didn't understand anything, but that's, that's okay. So we left and we went home and my wife said to me, uh, she wanted me to know what was going on with this couple because she of course knew I didn't understand what they were talking about and she wanted to fill me in. Evidently, this particular couple and their boulangerie were having serious financial problems. It was a very difficult time for the couple and they had already made the decision to just get on a plane and hightail out of there. And uh, they had tickets already to fly away, scoop up their kids, fly away. They had two little, had two little boys and a little girl, I remember. And they were heading to where? Quebec. Because they, they had to go somewhere where they could speak the language. And they felt that by just flying secretively in the middle of one night, going to Quebec, they could start their lives over. Jean-Marc was um, very distraught about the whole thing because the boulanger, this boulangerie had been in his family going back way before his grandparents. He felt a failure, but the tickets had already been purchased. They were going to be leaving in about four weeks. They didn't really care anymore what would happen to their boulangerie. They were getting out. Finally, the pressure would be off. Start fresh in Quebec. Canada. The next day, in fact, the next morning, the phone rang. It was Marie at the boulangerie saying to my wife, can we borrow your husband? And my wife said, what do you mean? I want to borrow my husband. It seems as though we have numerous court appearances to make visits to the offices of lawyers. And our last few weeks are going to be really, really tied up. Can we please ask your husband to stand behind the cash register and sell French baguettes and croissants? And my wife said, well, Steve is new to the country. He doesn't speak French. Doesn't matter. What do we care? We're leaving anyway. But Steve doesn't even know French francs. He doesn't even know the money system. This was, of course, before France switched over to the euro doesn't matter. Send them over. We simply want Steve to run the cash register. And oh, by the way, the kids will be crawling around on the floor. He's going to have to babysit them too. Just send them over. Sure enough, I, I went over back to the boulangerie 
and uh, I ran the cash register for them for several days. Didn't know what the heck I was doing. People coming in asking for baguettes, and I was grabbing baguettes from behind me and giving them away and not charging the right amount, I'm sure. It was pure comedy. And the kids were crawling all over the place. Hey, stop that. Stop choking your brother. And of course, I couldn't understand what I was saying. There was just one hilarious scene after another. <laughs> Yours truly was a baguette selling machine, pretending to be collecting money and counting it. And people were getting angry at me. It was a lot of fun. It was a really, it was a joke. And like most things in Europe, around lunchtime, you close your business down. Well, back then you did. But I would close the boulangerie down at lunchtime as directed by the couple. And I would take their kids. I'd walk them over to the Eiffel Tower. Don't run. They, they didn't understand a word I was saying. <laughs> so anyway, my whole new life in Paris, France began this way by selling baguettes from a boulangerie. And then the, uh, the big date came when they would scoop up their kids and put them on the plane. And they flew away. And I never saw them again. And there's one more piece of the story which I'm not going to be putting on this podcast because um, it's kind of sad. And if you really, really... <laughs> I want to know how this story actually ended after they got on the plane to fly to Quebec. Um, email me. <laughs> My head in the bed at gmail.com and I'll spill the beans. No, the plane didn't crash, nothing like that. I'll respond to your email. Please be over 18, all right? Huh, I'll tell you. I wonder if you are asleep. Hmm. I'm gonna move on to another story. This second story also takes place in France. In Europe, there are many beggars. We have them here in North America, but uh, I guess maybe I just noticed more beggars in France than elsewhere because uh, they do it differently. Anyway, there was a beggar, a woman beggar, at a metro station on the right bank called Chaussure d'Anton, behind the old Paris Opera House. And this particular middle-aged female beggar parked herself just inside the metro station and she wore a gray stocking cap and she leaned against the wall and with her arm extended, her right hand. I always gave her money because she had the face of my mother. And my, my mom, had, she's only been dead for about seven or eight years at that point. I couldn't help myself, I would always give her money sweet face was always a pleasure to look at. I felt very bad for her. Uh, let's uh, fast forward to 2004. In April 2004, we moved back to the United States. And I thought, oh my God, what about this woman? I have to take care of her. 
couple days before my flight back to the States, I went over there with a lot of money. <laughs> and I just gave it to her, put it in her cup. This poor woman's not going to see me again. Very nice. Or look at me with that wonderful smile she had. I wonder if you're still awake. got a short bonus story and I think I'll close with this. One time in Paris there was a knock on my door and I was alone. My wife wasn't there and again this was early on in my tenure in France in my stay and uh, I didn't have the language down at that point. I went to the door. I looked through the peephole. I saw this man, this kind of crusty old man. He starts his sales pitch. He has no idea that I can't understand what he's saying. And what was this guy selling door to door? Well, he was selling puppets. You think you have a hard job? Try selling puppets. He's going through his speech. He's a little tipsy. He reeks. I have no idea what he's saying. And he's demonstrating how the puppet goes on his hand. Sure, I've seen door-to-door -door salesmen before, but selling hand puppets? So, I bought two. Mm -hmm. I bought two of his puppets. How much were they? They were about eight bucks a piece. Why did I buy the hand puppets? I didn't need puppets. I had a puppet-free existence at the time. I got to thinking, you know what? Like everybody else, I've had some hard jobs in my life, but never, never have I ever had to sell puppets door to door. And I, I could not let this kind, crusty gentleman, I, I couldn't, I couldn't let him have a bad day. He was so into his puppets. My wife got home a few hours later. She sees the two puppets. What is this? What are these things? Well, I said, well, you're not going to believe it, but I bought them from a guy. What do you mean you bought them from a guy? I felt for the guy. I bought two of his puppets. And she laughed. She said, Steve, you're, you're going to be just fine in this country. <laughs> you're going to be just fine. The guy... He was a puppet peddler, and uh, there ain't nothing wrong with that. Nothing at all. You know, 
we could use more puppet peddlers. Good night.